Wake up to a spooky, spectacular, last king podcast. So, Mr. Chaffee. Hey, what's up? It's on the cusp, on the brink, on the precipice of Old Hallows Eve here you, at Last King Studios. You are correct, Shafiq. And now we've got quite a spooktacular episode <laughs> where we try our best to shove in as many Halloween-themed puns because God knows people put the, put it on their Twitter handles. I think we, no, the Halloween tween, uh, tweens? Tween? <laughs> Twitter. 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 Tween. Twitter. Uh, man, proper drunk here at the Last King Studios. Yes, we need to do the obligatory Halloween episode because what is pop culture without its horror elements without all the dudes who are dressed up in really spectacular or even boring outfits killing it killing sex or hormonally challenged or <laughs> over sex teens running around in like places like Camp Crystal are Lake. we talking about Cabin in the Woods movies oh. okay, I mean there's only one we right? are saving the, no no we should save the best for last mm. or maybe in the middle but yeah we actually want to talk this whole episode we're just going to talk about the Halloween or horror theme games that or horror theme movies, movies that actually influence everything our ways horror of seeing. horrible horrible yeah, yeah. our favorite ones that we know that we've seen so far back in the seventies up till now oh man you're just aging us even more huh I know I, know. <laughs> I was alive then <laughs> okay so maybe if you'll let me I'll I'll start first of course please do please so do. one thing that I kind of miss and I wish would make a kind of a comeback okay is the good old-fashioned slasher flick. And I'm talking about stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street, though technically not really a It's more slasher. like a fantasy slasher. It's a supernatural theme slasher. The but then awesome again, anti-hero. all of them ended up being very supernatural in nature. Okay, like the OG of OG slasher movies is definitely uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. Yes. Very seminal film. Very minimal as well. Okay, which introduced and to us... He's got those really short, really long, long pants. You know, that, that style of directing and, you know, shooting a horror scene where it's like you're anticipating things coming out but the guy what's that John Carpenter and and Code they deliberately make the shots slow for that dread to set in I also think that they did it because you know budgetary things or I mean it was a style back then I mean if you compare movies back then to movies today right you can tell that the editing the pacing is a lot different and the, these guys were shooting it on film so they're probably be a bit more precious about the medium they're recording on but at the same time that actually desperation always breeds innovation I would say so that too yeah I mean, that happened you know? and yo John Carpenter I mean when it comes to horror he, he is truly one of the masters okay I mean besides uh, like Halloween he also gave us one of the best remakes of all time with The Thing oh okay. god yes The Thing that's okay. one of the hands, I think we both love it right hands like, down okay that and maybe David Cronenberg's The Fly okay I want to go back to The Thing this is John Carpenter like dude that, that the thing that really unsettled me the first time was definitely that scene with the dog and that scene where they actually had the blowtorch 
and the blood vial. Oh, <laughs> not the blood vial, sorry, the, the blood sample. When they were testing whether yeah. you would be an alien or not. Basically, right? it's like who, yeah, yeah, who's yeah. lying? Who's a fucking liar right here? You know, it's like a game <laughs> of truth and there, Except if you kind of you lose, you die. Period. Dude, I mean, I mean, I okay. I want to really talk about Halloween movies, but yeah, I mean, since you mentioned the thing, yo, the scene where the guy got the heart attack and yeah. he's like, his chest opens up and it bites through the doctor's arms. Like, oh my what? god. I was actually <laughs> scared, but at the same time, that's actually kind of morbidly funny. And, and it okay. kind of went inside, it opens up like, you know, like a, like a pop trap door. <laughs> except the trap door is no, actually... No, but when you were a kid and you saw that... <laughs> that thing was is, fucked up, dude. And because it was all practical effects, like you didn't have that... You know, like your eye is very sensitive to CGI. Mm-hmm. Like when you see some CGI effects, okay, I'm going to just like bring up the thing part. One zero, uh, the, the the remake, the remake, the remake slash reboot yeah. slash requel, whatever, right? Where basically you could see the CGI and as effective and as pretty polished as it was, it just doesn't have the same magical you effect. You can't hold a candle to that freaking dog that had all those <laughs> tentacles and shit coming out when it was infected. Dude, the scene where the guy's head just slowly like breaks off from the body and it turns into a little mini spider and starts walking oh, around. Oh man. And then like the so reaction cool. was like, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> As that thing was just scampering around. I was like, yo! And then that giant thing at the end and then Kuros was like, yeah, fuck you too. Was <laughs> 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 it Moto who lit up the fuel can? I mean like, yo, okay, also, one of the best on-screen pairings of all time, okay? Uh, Kurt Russell as McCready and Keith David as Childs, okay? Oh, oh wow. my god, that's so good. Like, the one beauty about this film, like, is because it's not only a horror film in its right, but it's also like, who the hell can you trust? It's also a art, art, science Antarctica. fiction movie. It's a yeah. movie about isolation and desperation. Yes, and not knowing who the hell is who and whatnot, like, because the monster itself can actually be a person. I mean, I gotta ask you, did you see the original 1950s version? I'm like, the black and white one? No, I did not. I only knew there was a 1950s version <laughs> after a friend told me, wait, it's a remake. It's oh. a remake? Nah, Holy shit! Here's, here's how, a... how scary would the or remake be and then... Let me just say... How was it? Not very scary. <laughs> it's of its time. Okay, it's a very 50s B-movie, science fiction kind of vibe. The alien is basically a dude in a suit. You, you, you will not be as terrified, but this was all that was needed to inspire John Carpenter to give us probably one of the best remakes and horror movies of and all time. And the best body horror shit you've seen this side of a Cronenberg film. I would say, okay, this side of a Cronenberg film, I would have to agree, okay? And man, I really want them to try and go back to this. I mean, Kurt Russell is still around. Oh, Keith yeah, David yeah. is still around. I mean, they can team up, I guess. The very <laughs> ending of that movie, spoilers if you were not born or you have not be, you not realized about this okay you know what I'm just gonna say we might end the up the statute sp- has already passed we might spoil a few things okay so okay we're being upfront right here we're just gonna let you know okay the thing the way it ends one of the best endings ever where basically you have McCready and Childs after they so called destroyed the alien and his the spaceship right? sort of on fire and, and it's you- just the two of them yeah. in the middle just looking at each other still not trusting each other still not realizing are you one of them well it's one way we're gonna find out yeah and then and it ends ends. (laughs) my god so clever i I love these ambiguous endings mr carpenter king of our ambiguous ending i mean like going back to what i mentioned earlier like halloween the very first halloween the way it ended where it's just michael myers okay assumingly dead then when like the when Donald Pleasance who plays like the, the doctor goes to take a look again and he's gone mm-hmm. you know, which, which is, is literally se- it's, it's, a, it's a sequel it's a setup for a sequel yes definitely but at the same time it kind of ended things before we knew that there was a sequel coming out mm. so I mean like so John Carpenter dropped Halloween okay the OG slasher film okay and then 
very soon right after that, okay, I think it was Mr. Richard Cunningham. Oh, God, I can't remember. Richard Cunningham is fucking that kid from Happy Days. Yes, Day. yes. No, but I know it's a cut. Is it, is it Sean Cunningham? Uh, okay, or we might have what? to IMDB this, but I'm pretty sure Mr. Sean Cunningham is the man behind the Friday the 13th uh, franchise. Okay, mm-hmm. he was definitely inspired by something like Halloween. And I mean, his attempt would be, okay, we're not going to be as smart as Halloween. We're just going to up the gore. We're and just going to up the... people dead. We're going to up the kill, uh, the, the intensity of the And kills. you're actually right, it's Sean S. Cunningham. It's Sean Cunningham, right. Yeah, there you go, true horror fan here. Okay, I got my cred. Now, okay, what happened with Halloween was a bit more cerebral, was a little bit more of a thriller, okay? Then Friday the 13 movies came out. And then the Friday the 13th movies, I mean, it's all just set piece after set piece after set piece. And it's also like the breeding grounds for a lot of future talent. Mm-hmm. Like Kevin Bacon very famously appeared in the very first Hall- uh, uh, Friday the 13th yep, movie. Yep. Also one of the best kills also where he gets the arrow through the neck. Mm-hmm. And then this also introduced to us one of the most prolific and the most iconic of all the slasher guys. Mr. Jason himself. Very simple design. But the funny thing is, the first film it was actually his mom. mom. Yeah, yes. and, and, uh, it's the thing is right. If you're a horror mo- fan and if you say that Jason's in the first one, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. But he but, does appear in but the, the end. second up till the one where Jason goes to space. It's all Jason all it's, the way through. I mean, the I, undead guy who basically cannot be killed by much. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of the first Halloween movie. Not a fan of the sequels. I was kind of a fan of Part Three, Season of the Witch, because it tried to do something different. Mm, yes. Props to Dad for uh, trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I truly appreciate Part Three because hey, it's different. And having kids, having your heads deflated <laughs> by the TV thing, which the, 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 the by show, satanic it's, evil mask. It's actually got its own creepiness on its own, and then it actually worked out pretty well. It's got that dread thing going on. It's just well shot, well. I won't say it's a breakthrough masterpiece, but it's entertaining in its own right. But I, I would have to also kind of understand why it didn't do as well as the other Halloween the movies. The only problem is they put a three inside. People are expecting Michael yeah, Myers. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the, what the term we use right now is that it went off-brand for a while. Because everybody was expecting Michael Myers, especially since Halloween 2 does exist. Then 3 comes along and then people were like, oh, what's going on? So it's more or less uh, a filmmaker. It could actually be the production's fault because... Okay, you already have two sequels, you already have one sequel and one original film. Mm. Part 3 has to be lot has to follow that logical step. I, I would say like... So if not, you think with 3, that could have been, it could have been a whole different I would say if they didn't do a full-on sequel. I mean like if they just decided to skip on Halloween 2 and then like just immediately announce that each Halloween movie would be part of this giant anthology. But I mean, the thing is when you make movies or when you do something of this... Uh, Wait, 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 movies in general are all about making money. Yeah, and you're and actually it's all catering to the common masses or people and who have to the studio executives who want to see the profits. Exactly. Uh, I mean, like the thing is, right? You, you just read up or look up on the like, you know, the do- any look up any documentary about like John Carpenter and see his distaste and how he slowly learned to live outside the studio system. You know, but while he was in it, you know, created some of the best works of all time. Conversely, he did, did he did do some not so good stuff. I think I got bored watching Ghost of Mars at one point. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's all him. That's all him. But he put ice cube in space, yo. I know, I know. I know. That's probably the only redeeming that. factor. I mean, but yo, he also, I mean, he gave us Escape from New York. Okay, okay. Yes. He true, also gave us uh, the rather like luster sequel Escape from LA. Yeah. But okay, tell you what, out of all the John Carpenter output, hands down, okay, let me just say, his best work all time, 
Big Trouble Little China. Yes. yes <laughs> that exactly. movie still deserves a video game, <laughs> but nobody seems to want to make I it. I just like the fact that, hey, let's put Kurt Russell in a seemingly heroic role where he's, where he's not really the main focus. You know what? That's what I like about that. Film. I'm just going to say this. Yo, shout outs to John Carpenter for making Asian people kick ass yeah, in a horror yeah, movie. Dude. Like, not just the hero, but the bad guy too. Oh, no Pan was awesome. Played masterfully by oh what's his name? Uh, James, Wan? James Wong, James Hong, James Hong. Because <laughs> I remember he was the goose in Kung Fu Panda. Did you say goose? Yes. Oh, he was the goose in Kung Fu Panda. He was the adopted dad of the of the panda. Yo, oh. if you ever need that old wise or slightly evil Asian man, yeah, James yeah, Hong. Yeah, James Hong. <laughs> He's also the jeweler in the Diablo Three. So. Oh yeah. That's oh, him. Wow, That's wow. him, dude. <laughs> I still don't you know play cannot, that game. <laughs> you, you cannot not know that voice, you know. It's so iconic. I mean, you want to gush a little bit about Big Trouble in Little China? Like, it's... how batshit insane. How it inspired fucking Mortal Kombat. It inspired a Literally. lot of <laughs> You know the kids show, like, Ninja Turtles did references to Big Trouble in Little China, for crying out loud. And it's criminally underlooked. It didn't do well in the box office yeah. when it was released. It's got its cult following, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's got the shaggy monster, too. What won't you do? And you've got, like, supernatural shit going on, you know? You know, one of my favourite scenes is when, like, a... Jack, what's it? Yeah, name? Jack, Jack. It's Jack. When Jack and like the, the his his ninja army, I mean, like, they assemble a little team to go and rescue the girl and the yeah, and Kim Cattrall. She was the other one. It was Kim Cattrall, the woman. Uh, the other, the other blue eye or green eye girl, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like they they're like going through the the, the tunnels or the sewers. Yep, yep. And then this like randomly this giant bug just jumps out of a hole and eats one of the guys. <laughs> it's like. Oh. That's that's when I realized you know what this movie doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> just it, it, just go with it. It's an action supernatural it's film with bits of shit like this is stuff. gonna happen and it's like yo okay fine. Oh, yeah man. I'm I'm with you guys all the way. I mean the way it started out was pretty like you know felt like a typical eighties movie yeah. and then you thought like oh it's gonna be like one of those like uh, it's gonna be about movie. the Chinese triad and it turns out oh there's some supernatural and then shit going on. Raiden <laughs> comes down from the skies and shoots <laughs> lightning bolts from his hands. That you is know? so out there, dude. Like, like this show, yeah, it's 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 <laughs> it's on its own. Dude, if I were to tangent. watch it now, I'll be like, hey, why have you not seen this movie yet? You know, yeah, I, something I'm gonna rewatch over and over, like no, the thing as well. And that's the best kind of movie to introduce to people. Is like, yo, check out Big Trouble in Little China. It's like. You've never seen anything like this, and it holds up so well. Like, and it's also really diverse. Like it just shows John Carpenter's diversity as a director back in the day. Yeah, he can handle anything. Yeah, I mean it's supernatural. There's a tinge of horror inside, but it's, it's also still action always. A solid martial arts flick. There you go. Yes. Yeah, you know what I mean. And also, it's like probably like one of the most imaginative and most creative things I've seen in a long while. Yeah. Now we've got to actually go on with the whole Halloween spiel right there. Like, okay. We've already talked about John Carpenter quite a bit. Sure. Now we've got. I mean, I did I bring up. Raven. Oh. I mean, shall we continue more on? Uh, oh yeah, the Sean Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> Ooh yes, yes. That's actually the that's. Oh my god, this film. It's like every single horror trope all gathered right there. For the benefit of everyone, we're not going to spoil this film because it's just so good. It's also a little bit recent, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... And it's also the first appearance of Mr. Hemsworth Thor, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth before he starts rocking the hammer. Now, this film, it Yo. starts off with a bunch of execs talking about their day and all that and then suddenly there's a jump scare kind of title with the it horror like, music coming They weren't up. really execs, they were like lab technicians. Lab technicians, sorry, sorry. Thank you, lab techs, lab tech guys. They're like talking about their day. Oh, and... 
Kevin, Kevin Woods. Woods. And that, like, that when I saw that, I was like, okay, I, this is gonna be something really awesome, dude. The thing we also need to mention this is also from the minds of uh, Josh Whedon and Godard. And yeah, okay, people who were later. Like this is before Avengers. Yes, it's it literally like six months or a year before Avengers, and when Avengers dropped, oh yo, their stock went through the roof. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like, yo, make another Kevin in the Woods, yo. I know the okay. Should we spoil it? No, no, no let's don't, not spoil don't. it. Okay, I, I think let's just be selfish. But let's just say the the movie doesn't set itself up for a sequel. Yeah. Okay, technically, there's no way for that story to continue. Okay, so the thing is, I'll say, the thing I love about it as well is because it's. That's this entire thing like okay teens go inside and they're, they're kind of smart they go to a cabin and then you know there's going to be some horror shit going on but the way everything is framed and then up to the second part where everything is revealed is like yeah, yeah the reveal is, is was shit, one of yo. a kind this is the movie for the ages I know I'm overhyping it a lot but dude this is just so good I was like Oh god, like I really want to say something but I cannot because it's just like Okay, without spoiling it, but I would say this hands down one of the smartest Smartest one of the horror films ever well written horror stories and it's one of those few genre uh, pieces that realizes what genre it's in and plays everything off on its own head. What I can say is the choices of music whenever <laughs> very clever, very, very clever. I would too. say that too, yeah. 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 But I mean, like, okay, but the thing is Cabin in the Woods, okay only exists before, because of the OGs. Mm. So we did mention uh, the Friday the 13th series and the numerous sequels where basically we can't really say much about it because the first one were, had a twist ending yeah. where we, we didn't know who the killer was yeah. and, and even had one of the best jump scares of all time mm. with the reveal of Jason mm-hmm. at the very end when he jumps out of the water and attacks the girl. Part 2, 3, 4, blah blah blah. But but wait, part I think I remember part two. That was this bit with the kid in the wheelchair. That's like okay. I would nah, say then it fell down. the nah, wheelchair, the kid in the wheelchair with the machete to the face. Also, I would say one of the hands down one of the best jump scares. Also, good shit, yo. that yeah. took me by surprise as a as a teenager when I watched that all by myself. I was like, fuck, this movie doesn't. My my experience <laughs> with that as a teen, like I saw part five or six, one of them, the one where where it starts to get goofy, right? Where there's a bunch of kids who be like. Fuck you, Jason Ryan. And then lightning came down, and then he got come back to life again. Some oh, shit. I think that's part five. It's af- definitely after part four. Part four is final chapter with Corey Fieldman. Okay, and then or I could be wrong. I thought I went back. I thought I figured, okay, this is alright. I guess. And then I went back to two and three. These actually straight up, shit out of me, straight yeah. up horror movies. These actually freaked out yeah. the shit out of me because of just the way the kills, the shots, everything like cha cha, you know, like <laughs> coming from the back. God knows where. Like where the hell's Jason? Where the hell's Jason? He's like, where's Wally? Except you get frightened by the reveal, you know. Okay, but okay. So the the definitive cabin in the woods uh, prototype was definitely the Friday Thirteenth. Yes, this is the one but that actually set things up. I would say something like. Sleepaway Camp if I'm not too... Sleepaway Camp probably also one of the best twist endings of all time for the yes. first one mm-hmm. okay I'm not gonna spoil it I know that movie is fucking okay, that old that one is too great but you gotta experience the ending for that yourselves okay I highly recommend if you have it if you can find it look for the very first Sleepaway Camp okay just the first one not just as one. gory or as in your face as like the Friday movie I mean it's like, it's like the Friday movies but you know, it plays off as a psychological horror also kind of at the end. So, this would be the foundation. So, it's kind of like a good build-up per se. Okay, but okay, so going off the ten, like going off on uh, your uh, thoughts on Cabin in the Woods, okay, so this is the groundwork. Yep. But I would say the definitive, the best 
horror in a cabin in the middle of the woods hands down all time Evil Dead 2 mm, <laughs> okay <yes. laughs> Mr. Sa- Mr. Sam Raimi and Mr. Bruce Campbell in their early efforts yo and also to me the first time I experienced the horror comedy genre yes oh my god that scene my, my, I think my favourite scene was like uh, Anytime, when he was staring at the deer heads and yeah. the deer heads like okay just that whole segment of Bruce yeah. Campbell all alone like losing to dementia and just going crazy yeah. right and then uh, I think it was the deer that vomited right was it it was a pool of blood no, that was so funny yet disgusting I, I at mean, the same time y- did you see the original the first Evil Dead one no I did not I would say this I skipped it actually let me just say this right okay evil dead is like street fighter there is a part one you can't ignore it okay two is where it, what matters <laughs> okay okay if you want to watch a tree rape scene and probably bruce campbell figuring out how to act watch part one but you want to see evil dead in all its pure glory before the madness that is army of darkness mm-hmm. just start with two you can skip one <laughs> just and I also watch Evil Dead 2 I mean it's uh, technically a remake of the first one anyway I also felt that uh, that time when his girlfriend died in the first few minutes of the film I see her dancing outside that's oh, really sp- fucked up <laughs> they made stop motion creepy right yes they did they did <laughs> kind of funny and kind of creepy it's like within, within those lines that's why I felt that what Sam Raimi brings to the table with that and uh, Army of Darkness it's because he just balances it just fine like it's scary but at the same time freaky and funny in some sick perverse way too as I well. mean the thing is Sam Raimi is very I mean he's very open about his love for the Three Stooges mm-hmm. which is why like Evil Dead 2 plays off a lot of on the physical comedy yep. just like seeing Bruce Campbell like you know like flip himself and like uh, you know like, that whole scene where his hand gets possessed and he's mm-hmm. just trying to kill himself yep. <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> funny yeah. I mean and then that would later be even heightened in uh, Army of Darkness in the graveyard yeah, scene and even <laughs> even the TV series that came out recently like which I I'm still very meh about yeah. I'm sad to say I mean like I love me some Bruce Campbell I love me some Evil Dead yo but I did like that fight with him against a doll in the first episode that's funny shit yeah but uh, my problem with the, the TV series is it starts to get a little bit too goofy too quickly mm. you know and the thing is to me Ash is still kind of like the heroic man's man who can handle any situation but in the TV series they put him in a lot of really weird goofy kind of silly situations I mean I do want the series to explore and also kind of like Get try to the new dark things. Side. You know, yeah, like American but, Horror Story. But it, style. It, the thing is, right, it's too much on the comedy and not enough on the horror. I think part of the problem is he became like the Duke Nukem of archetype of sorts in that. I mean, you can kind of tell Bruce Campbell pretty much plays himself now. <laughs> yes. I mean, have you seen him in interviews? The way he talks to his fans. I think it's just he's, like he's just he, Ash basically. He, he's a he can be a real asshole, you know. And the thing is, you love him for it because he's just got so much charisma, and you can't help but like you know like yeah yeah he, that's who he is can i tell you i actually got one of my uh, bruce campbell books signed by him in canada holy shit that you, was, that you was, met that was, the man yes he actually <laughs> liked my hawaiian shirt that i wore at the is time is he taller than me uh he's bigger that's for sure oh. but he's definitely like about <laughs> the same height oh okay. yeah if i recall at the time and he's really really hands-on you know very very personable all that really yeah really cool guy and also very jokey as well. It's like meeting a more verbal version of Cliff Blazinski. <laughs> I don't know how that Have hell you was. met Cliff Blazinski? Yes, I have. Yes, there you go. Awesome. Mr. Toffee is showing off his uh, his credentials no, right point, here. No, but the point <laughs> is, yeah, this guy, he's basically role-playing himself, which is good. And the book that he writes, like the, the, the semi-fake autobiography thing, that's also a comedy book in a sense too. Mm. Like basically, he, try, he cross-dresses as someone trying to impress Rob Lau and one of the execs at one point. He just fabricates shit, but it's done in a very 
Bruce Campbell comedy kind of way. I mean, the thing about Bruce Campbell, okay, I've mentioned in previous episodes, right? Shout out to our earlier episodes. Please check, do check them out. Uh, but there are some actors that I can't really watch anymore, like Tom Cruise or even Will Smith, because I can't see them past the character. You the cannot separate the actor from his role. From the character. And the thing is, usually they're just playing themselves. So when you watch something like, you know, like a Will Smith movie, like, yeah, it's Will Smith being Will Smith. No, like, you know, like... Because that's all he knows how to play. Best example would be like Suicide Squad, you know, like, that's just literally Will Smith being Will Smith. And then, like, there's also guys like Bruce Willis who's just playing the same goddamn character... But then when you see something like Bruce Campbell, his personality, his character, his natural uh, wit and his natural comedic timing, like, dude, put him in any movie. The dude's fucking hilarious. And I mean, I got nothing but love for, for Bruce Campbell, Ash, you know, and the whole Evil Dead saga. Even the remake. Hands down. I'm going to say this over and over again. The remake is way better not as great as like what we said earlier where like the, the thing the thing remake okay that's in a different tier that's god tier s tier mm. but i would definitely say like the evil day remake it's like a tier you know? okay it's definitely a tier done mr mr Fede alvarez okay i mean he did do the what's that last movie i saw uh oh it slips my mind so easily not your next right no, no 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 it's the one where don't breathe, no, don't my breathe, bad. Don't breathe. Yeah, yes. There you, you go. reviewed that. We yes. reviewed that in a previous episode. Shout out to our previous episodes. Please do check out the Last King at thelastking.net. Uh, but yeah, you know, like when I saw the Evil Dead remake, right, the number one, I think, uh, not say problem, but the one common criticism, especially from the people online, right, was oh, it's not Ash. Oh, it's not. Uh, it's not tied into the Evil Dead universe in a way. But the Evil Dead universe is really small. It was like basically three movies. The TV show hadn't even arrived yet, right? And this is a movie that was not funny, but it was ramping up the gore and the horror to a way that would be modern and palatable to all. Like, this is, we are a generation after the Saw films, after all these, like, torture porn, after Hostel and Eli Roth and all this, right? We are kind of accustomed to a certain level of, I wouldn't say realism, but I would say visceral or, like, in your faceness. We just faceness. want something that just happens in front of us. Yeah, and I was, like, thinking, like, what Mr. Fede Alvarez did with the Evil Dead remake was, like, you know, he took the sensibilities that we have been accustomed to. Like, you know, it's it's got... A torture porn level of gore mm. you know yeah. I mean like with, with the tongue cutting and the arm slicing and everything but it's still a solid evil dead movie you know about just a couple of dumb teenagers in the woods who happen upon the Necronomicon and they just shouldn't read it but they do anyway shit happens which was also parodied brilliantly in Cabin in the Woods mm, yes, you know yes. what I mean and the thing is that's what I love about the horror genre because they're just so self-referential and they're aware of their peers and there's like always all these nods in the tip of the hat to the other directors and to the other films and it basically is like one big giant community one giant family like horror fans love horror because it's just so deep and rich and it's like you know you can just jump into any part of it it's and never it's like, about the jump scares it's always about the atmosphere yeah, it the last thing is about the horror itself yeah. it's basically about you know I mean most of these directors are like guys doing it on their own dime just being super independent about it putting together something really cool and creative and that's what I like about maybe 2000s era horror like right after that whole uh, wave of Japanese remakes and Japanese horror like uh, like a few years ago before 2000 hit I believe it was like all those slasher things yep. coming back into, slightly, because of Scream and because of I Know What I Did Last Summer slightly and, after that actually. And, and the one that we discussed quite a bit Final Destination oh you want to talk about Final Destination a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> before we go to 2000 we got a shout we got to give a shout out to the show where you have to fight against death and you can't win 
mm. per se. I would like to thank Final Destination for introducing me to my lifelong crush, Ellie Lotto. Ah, <laughs> yes, yeah, she's, she's, she's gorgeous. She's, she, gorgeous. she's a good looking girl. <laughs> also introduced uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead before she became Ramona in Not Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. She was in the third film. I remember that, true. She's, she's kind of cute. Too. I still prefer Ramona though. Maybe we need to preface this, okay? Because after Nightmare, then after uh, probably like uh, after uh, Friday the Thirteenth Nightmare, there was like maybe like things got a little bit goofy, okay? You had like you know Valentine's Day, you had uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, which was the Christmas version of the horror yes. slasher, and then it got really stupid with stuff like Leprechaun and whatever. <laughs> I mean, like I mean. Oh, and there's also critters as well. Yeah. I don't know. If that's a horror. I thing would say of... critters is more of an offshoot of the Gremlins thing. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the the, the, the the cute cuddly little creature that will just destroy you. But Critters 1 and 2, solid movies. You know, I mean, it gave, this, gave Scott Grimes a career. Whatever happened to him. Uh, you know? Which one was it? Or the one where they had all the critters form into one giant. That's part 2, ball. I think. Yeah, okay. That's part 2 cute. is when they had the, the female bounty hunter. Right? Mm, I think so, yeah, yeah. The guy was always consistent, right? The bounty hunter. Has he? Well, the first one, yes, it was basically the dude who was the rock star, mm-hmm. and then Critters too. Like it was, and the bounty hunters was basically a pun on the word ugly. One was ugly, one was Lee, and one of them could never decide on which character or what look he wanted to do, because these guys could like change their appearance, right? So in part two, he decided to be a chick, uh, okay. which was yeah. I mean, no, she, she was rocking the body though. Yeah, good job. Uh, but wow, I can't really mention anything about Critters. I remember I loved it as a kid when I watched it because it was just you know. It was like Gremlins to me, like, you know, this goofy little horror movie. Really, really sharp teeth. <laughs> and I, uh, I would say, would you agree that maybe Gremlins, then maybe Critters, then the next logical step would be Tremors? Yeah, yeah, Tremors. It Tremors was more played out for laughs, in a way, compared to other sort of semi-horror films. But would but you consider it a horror movie? I would say it, it's in the, the same category as like Gremlins and Critters. Yeah, it does, it does. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's not really like a supernatural horror. It's not really like it's more like a a creature based horror. Yeah, creature based horror, but there's also like tinges of comedy inside. I mean, like other things in the genre would be Troll, Troll Two, which is notorious <laughs> oh, yes. for the meme worthy. Yeah. They're gonna eat me! Oh, oh my god! god <laughs> and then there was also the Ghoulies. Where like these creatures will come out the toilet and eat your ass, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah, of course tremors. There are just too many to mention. Honestly, the creature-based kind of horror of shows back in the eighties. I mean, like you, you could even say stuff like Toy Master, Puppet or, Master, too or, or well. Puppet, Puppet Master. Master. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Puppet Master was more like, um, I guess uh, the, the toys weren't the highlight until the sequel. The sequel they become superheroes or focused on the puppeteers who created them. I remember one of the sequels had a Nazi <laughs> thing going on. Um, 
Yeah, we don't really gonna talk about that more because we've only seen the first film. I mean, like, if you want to talk about inanimate objects becoming like crazy, creepy, supernatural killers, you would definitely have to just say Child's Play. Child's Play is probably part one was the best one. Part two was uh, upping the kill factor. Yeah. And then it got really supernatural. Then it got really with, stupid uh, Bride too. Of Chucky and all that, right? No, that's when it became a comedy. It, it was less about like the kills and more about just developing this Chucky character, which I was really not interested in. Oh, I just remembered. Puppet Master was actually supposed to be like a big franchise because of the movies coming in. There was like five of these motherfuckers. Yes, right? there was five. There was five. I think the third one had to do with the third rake. Yes. But at the same time, it because it went to the whole direct-to-DVD sort of spiel, it didn't really take off, took off as much as it did. Mm. God forbid the, the director tried, the producers tried. I, I skipped it on the Puppet Master. It's the kind of thing that I would see on Laserdisc as I went to the video store. It looks interesting, but no time to touch it. But I would rather just bring home like you know Navy Seals or <laughs> Pumpkinhead. <laughs> speaking of which, uh, please tell me about Pumpkinhead because that's probably the only horror film I never get to watch. Pumpkinhead? You're not missing much. <laughs> well, I mean, it looks pretty cool on the cover. So it I looks fine. I would just say this: skip it. Go straight to Jeepers Creepers. Yes, I've seen Jeepers <laughs> Creepers. That is awesome. One Shit, and bro. two, okay. And I'm not sure about two though, but I've seen one. Two, I like because it's more polished. It's not a better movie. I would say one is still superior, but Jeepers Creepers two, in terms of like you know. Putting a little bit more, uh, it's just more elbow grease. It just looks like it was put together better. Yeah, I felt that part one because of the relationship between the sister and brother that actually worked out pretty alright. So it kind of yeah, yeah, I like for that it a lot. for them in a way. But at the same time, yeah, someone's gonna die anyway. A couple of people are gonna die, and there's a whole song about Jeepers Creepers, which sort of came true in the end. And, <laughs> and seeing the guy in the that flying dude, motherfucker, Jersey, Jersey Devil-ish kind of creature, yeah, that was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, like Jeepers Creepers. I mean, it was fresh when it came out because it, it did something that. Was was traditional that was familiar but it took it on a whole new direction yeah, I really liked it yeah because of just the way it was just shot and just told like, you actually feel for the victims for once but you can definitely see like the trend is basically all these movies are basically spinning off from a previous movie like all these like can be tra- traced down to one giant family tree like, I would say like the OG horror movies would be like if you want to say back in the day black and white era I mean we got cabinet, the, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari mm-hmm. Okay, probably the original Nosferatu movie and then of course uh, the Universal Horror Monster series with like uh, Wolfman, uh, Bela Lugosi's uh, Dracula and Frankenstein, Boris Karloff, all these OGs then came the like the 60s with uh, Vincent Price and the Hammer Horror movies blah 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 Oh blah. the Hammer stuff I've yeah. only seen a bit of it especially the one where and oh it, my god there's a guy whose name was actually Dracula backwards Alucard yeah. Castlevania fans yeah. now you know where they got yes, all this shit yeah. from Okay, they weren't smart about it okay? and this was, Hammer this is, movies did it first and this shows uh, Christopher Lee He's fine, fine. Dude, Count Dooku, Mr. Christopher Lee, fuck man. Dude, have you heard his metal band? No, I did not. You have to check it out. It will blow your mind. Okay? It's basically. God bless his soul. He's, he's one of the finest in guys peace. Yes. on the planet because of his hammer stuff. And as well as, you know, a Lord of the Rings stuff. Too. I mean, okay. <laughs> to me, hands down, the second best Dracula. Okay, number one, I will still have to give to Gary Oldman for mm. what he did in Francis Ford Coppola's Oh yeah, that Dracula. That is a performance, sir. I mean, like, seriously, Gary Oldman, not an underrated actor. In fact, not even an overrated Actually, actor. Actually, my only problem with Dracula as Gary Oldman is Dracula is because, because of that role, he started taking on roles as bad guys throughout his entire film career until he became Commissioner Gordon. No, but he is the perfect bad guy. Yes. I would say. I mean, like, even though. But he, he's typecasted. That's the issue I felt for him, la. Like he. I would he agree was in, slightly. He was in, yeah. 
quite, it was a, quite a number of shitty films as a bad guy. Um, like the Fifth Element? Space. <laughs> that too as well. Lost in Space. No, I got um, a lot of friends Night, who defend uh, that? that movie. I don't um, get it. The one, uh, Quest for Camel. Oh my god. <laughs> I think it was his nature. Oh really? He yes. was in Quest for Camel? Yes, he was the oh, bad knight. Right. He was the bad knight, yes. Oh man. He was the bad knight from the Knights of the Round Table. Dude, but you gotta appreciate the level of ham and over the topness he pulled off in Leon's The Professional. Mm, yes, yes. That okay. one was good. That Just one. that scene, like, uh, I want you to get everybody. Who? Everybody! <laughs> God, Gary, only Gary Oldman can pull that kind of shit off. Uh, yeah. But literally, I would still say, hands down, the best Dracula is Gary Oldman's Dracula. Okay. Now, do you think that that entire movie was carried by Gary Oldman? That 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 version. Well, of it certainly wasn't carried by Keanu Reeves. We know a writer. Okay. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Seriously, I don't think even that any Lennox song actually carried it too. You know, Dude, I love that song. Okay. No, no, the song is good. magical. I didn't say it will carry it <laughs> no, but I w- besides uh, Francis Ford Coppola's like vision. And the the practical effects and the stuff, All he, that blood armor shit, that and was the really cool. sh- yeah, the design, the aesthetics, and the fact that every special effect you see is happens on camera. You know, I mean, like, I mean, just look for any documentary or making of uh, featurette about this movie, and just see the, the levels they have to go through just to pull off some of the visuals. Mm-hmm. And top with Gary Oldman's performance, and top with inter- like uh, Annie Lennox's uh, love song for a vampire, <laughs> yeah. and the fact that. This is the first time I got to see Monica Bellucci. Mm, she was okay. one of the three vampire girls. The most perfect breasts for a young man to witness. Hey, she, still has, she still has the best breasts. <laughs> and she still right got now. it. Yes. Still the breast, the breast best, best breast assist. <laughs> yeah. Monica Bellucci. Uh, but okay, There's a fine pair of acting from her. Uh, uh, that, uh, <laughs> I don't think that part works. I mean, like, was she was in this? <laughs> she was in the Matrix. Okay, but okay. Do you? Wanna... She was in that movie where she fucked quite a lot of guys in uh, Melina. Town. Oh yeah, she was. No, I was about to say irreversible. Oh no, that one is kind of which is a different like, kind of horror movie too. Uh, I mean, like it's more of an uncomfortable kind of movie. I would definitely want to do. I mean, okay, I think the genre for films like Irreversible would be the transgressive genre, mm-hmm. like guys like Gaspar No, guys like like the guys who did Serbian film or The Human Centipede, where oh. it's not really horror; it's just meant to make you feel uncomfortable. It's, it's the French. It's also like the French people, the French directors, and all that. They were doing stuff oh, the new like wave Butter, f- yeah, the f- new wave. That body exploitation horror. but that would not be under transgressive I mean like Martis uh, Hot Tension uh, that was, what was the other one that really got me I think it was called Cold Showers or Teeth Teeth mm. was also another one. Oh, yeah. that was really oh but, god but like this I had my entire legs closed the entire <laughs> really tight oh, really? watching all the entire thing uh, with man. the gynecologist with that dude <laughs> she was trying to sleep with in the cabin the bed and the brother oh my god Oh, uh, okay, yo, if you haven't seen Teeth, okay, and if you're a guy, watch Teeth. Watch Teeth by yourself. It's a cautionary tale. It's extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, we're going all over the world, all over the map, all, all different, different timelines with horror and uh, Halloween. But the thing is, we're going to try to make this a chalk block full of the stuff that we love. Stuff we love. And, and the thing is, like, it's been a while since we did a proper Ramble Fest. And, and dude, when you brought out the 90s, uh, Dracula. I want to bring up a show that came out I think two years later. What the nineties Frankenstein shit. with Robert De Niro? Oh, no, 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 no. And Kenneth Branagh having one of the most weirdest scenes ever. With his cousin, right? <laughs> no, it's, basically there's this one scene where Kenneth Branagh and Robert De Niro, after he created the Frankenstein monster, they were both literally like Robert De Niro was naked. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh was kinda naked and they were just rolling around and like on the floor all wet. I, I just remember watching that movie and thinking, this movie is 
kind of gay. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, watch it again. That was more like a, not a horror film. More like, okay, this is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein done by that guy, Kenneth Branagh. Dude, the guy directed Thor. That yes, <laughs> both not very good. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, uh, yeah. Two years later, we got Candyman. You want to talk about Candyman? Oh, dude, I don't know if I want to, dude. That movie still freaks the shit out of me up to now. Dude, hands down, Tony Todd, one of the icons of horror. Yeah, seriously. His, his performance as Candyman. Uh, his black, voice, dude. Yeah, wow. He's the, a black man who got wronged by white people at the time. Because it was Haven't thing, it was all epic. black men been wronged by white people? I know, but this one was more like a more cautionary sort of tale because, oh, he kind of screwed a really cute white girl and punished <laughs> by having bees bite him and eating his flesh or some shit. Are you sure you're not talking about some black exploitation movie? No, no, no. This is Candyman for real, too. Speaking of black exploitation, it is sort of like that in a sense, too. Um, then he's got his hand cut off and then apparently he's an urban myth in that time. And then Virginia Madsen is actually this journalist girl trying to find uncover the myth. Dude, Virginia Madison, Matt Madsen in the, in the 90s. Yo, hotness right she's there. She's cool, she's cool. And then the thing is, she digs in really deep into this myth to a point where the myth becomes real. And the fact that she's so excited, interested about all this, makes her delve deeper into it to the point where her life can be a bit fucked up as well. I mean, how many sequels did well. Candyman have? They had three, right? Uh, two one, sequels. Farewell yeah. to the Flesh. Day of the Dead is the third one. That was, both of them were not good. Which is why I want to focus more on the first one. The, first one. the seminal chills. one. They, they actually showed a bit about how... The, how the streets were like was really really run yeah it had a very that. strong urban setting to yeah, it yeah, so it, it was, was like a horror movie in the hood with some social commentary <laughs> in a sense just mm. showcasing yeah people living the right horrors time, not, not so good. of not so white good. people no no more <laughs> like the horrors of the black side and the white side too in that sense okay, Both sides. how horror begets horror and yeah, all that yeah. right social commentary because Virginia Madsen's life wasn't that hot to begin with yeah, because I mean, her husband was actually a philandering kind of dude I really gotta rewatch this movie. I remember watching Candyman one and being properly freaked out. I was afraid of mirrors for a while. Oh, yes, I watched yes. this really young. I was like Just twelve the way or they thirteen. It, like say the name five times and then it goes dark. <laughs> Which know, is, and then the blood comes up the ceiling with a sharp sound. So effective, dude. I was it. yeah. I mean, uh, not just that, but it's like I, I remember like somebody mentioned to me that oh that's basically uh, you know the Bloody Mary story. And it's like, oh, okay. And then yeah. I, I got into Bloody Mary. And like, oh, they have, have they made a movie about Bloody Mary? They should have by now, right? It's well, well, probably called Bloody Mary. Yeah, and it's well, available on Anchor Bay or something. Well, right the now. way I see it, yeah, this was actually a Clive Barker short story, which was the one you mentioned, Bloody Mary, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, and then that was actually made into Candyman, a full-fledged film, also mm. from Clive Barker's side. Mm. And that, yeah, it's just chilling, dude. Especially, there's this bit where before we know that it's Candyman, he had a chat with Virginia Madsen while he's walking slowly in the trench coat everything. We can't see he his hand yet. Not yet, yeah. And, but the way they talk, you hear Tony Todd's voice, you hear Virginia Madsen trying to be strong even though she's probably freaked the shit out of her mind. <laughs> that was super chilling, dude. And did not require anyone dead for it. Exactly. That's true horror right there. Setting yeah. the tone. That's clever, like. clever, good, well-written horror. And, and the dog's head too, you know? <laughs> Seven from its body. That's that's some shit, you know? But you do realize you dropped Clive Barker, so we have to mention Hellbound Hellraiser. Another <laughs> part, yes. Hellraiser was that shit too, alright? Part one, yes. Part two, eh, part well, three, mm, The thing about the other really... parts, because they focused <laughs> it on the wrong character. Yes, definitely. He wasn't a star. He was just no, the MacGuffin to kill he, people and shit. I mean, not, not just that, but like, okay... Oh man, the, the Hellraiser series is in 
definite need of a reboot or a remake. Because the thing is, it has such an interesting universe, especially with the Xenobites and the Portal to Hell and the, that, that strange cube yep. that was the puzzle piece that was the gateway to all of this. Yeah, what I liked about the first Hellraiser was like, oh, it's just a family driven insane because of this box. Mm-hmm. And the lengths him and this other girl would go just to feed I guess the guy flesh and shit. And then that payoff <laughs> in the scene with the chains. Damn, dog. That was a good payoff. I, mean, I, I would also say this, everything. like, in terms of creature design, those Xenobites. Oh, they look cool. Like Hellraiser and that weird one who has CDs in his face and the girl one with her mouth opened up. There was also a dude who basically has no eyes and got, like, chompy teeth, right? Or was that the later Hellraiser? He's like, like an all face, all mouth face, all right? All mouth dude, yeah. No, but the problem with the Hellraiser series is that it, like, yeah, part was it part two or three? Where they part tried, two they went on. I think Pinhead got. They tried to give him a role. backstory, right? Yeah, which I didn't really find interesting at all. And it like I would rather like Hellbound Hellraiser and another film series. Have you ever seen Phantasm? Phantasm? No, I have not actually. Dude, you gotta watch Phantasm one, two, maybe three. Okay, the Tall Man is also one of the definitive horror icons of any generation but basically it's all focused on him being a killer of sorts right that doesn't no the thing is he is not a killer but he is a conduit to another dimension where the things and the creatures from the other dimension will come into our dimension and kill Hmm. and the thing is phantasm has such a very it's it's a very um i wouldn't say convoluted no but it's that it's layers upon layers that you realize that the world is a lot larger than it is Hmm. pretty much what hellraiser would do where it's like once you're introduced to the xenobite characters and they open up the portal to hell and then you realize that there's a world of torture and even more xenobites and there's this whole other like you know very hp lovecraftian kind of like you know alternate reality that we are not aware of that would later be brought to our attention and it's like i would say like um phantasm hellraiser would be like the kind of horror movies that kind of started off cerebral but at the same time fell into the trappings of trying to franchise itself which is what the problem with a lot of horror movies even stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street oh yeah that even is stuff also, like that and Halloween Friday the 13th, and Friday the 13th that's yeah, the time when where they, they just slowly drown in their own self parody oh my god even, even Wishmaster also got a franchise per se dude Wishmaster it wasn't was... that good the first one wasn't that good to begin with although the design for the genie when he's got that Shit on his head, on the shoulder, and the shoulder pads, thing, yeah. his pauldrons. Cool. He, he could be a Mortal Kombat villain, for you know. He probably was a Mortal Kombat villain <laughs> who didn't make the cut. Ended up in a Wishmaster movie. Sheesh! But like again, wow, this is a proper ramble we're going on right now, man. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, the problem with these films is, yeah, they serialize themselves too much. For point, point mm. that, oh, we can be a franchise. No, you cannot. You have to be a one-off thing. No, but the, but also, some actually stand through the test of time. Like, there's a new Phantasm out this year, right? Is I there? I think so. Uh, I, I know there was one that was supposedly in the works. I have really lost track with it. But okay, uh, in terms of horror movie uh, franchises, I recommend. If you haven't seen Phantasm, start with two. One is okay. Three, eh, it's alright, you know. But you know, um, same with a lot of the other horror movies. So I would it's recommend. more like a sci-fi kind of horror film, is it? Okay. Because of the expert. Let me just mention one of the many uh, tools of destruction in the Phantasm series. Mm. So uh, Angus Scrim, the actor who plays the tall man, right? So basically, he is like this undertaker, Paul Bearer. He works in a funeral home, and this funeral home is a little bit dodgy. And apparently, he is one of the gatekeepers. Not really a gatekeeper, but he is a conduit to another hellish dimension and how he dispatches of you is not w- w- with him he doesn't 
cut you. But what he does is he has these metal spherical balls okay. that fly through the that fly around. That is basically like you know Swiss Army knives of destruction. They've got lasers. They've got little serrated blades that spin. They drill into your head. They suck out the juice from your skull. Some of the most you gotta see this, it. This sounds cool, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna watch. And besides <laughs> that, yeah. okay, okay, that that's that's what that's the one thing that will freak you out. Then he's also got his little minions, these short little dwarvish, hellish creatures that. I don't want to spoil anything. Okay, that's it's cool. the kind of thing you gotta experience. But I do remember <laughs> it was J.J. Abrams who was a fan of the show, right? Dude, J.J. Abrams is a fan of a lot of shows. <laughs> oh, but, but I think Phantasm was one in particular. He should do the remake. Yo, I trust him. He hasn't done a horror po- movie proper, right? No, I don't think so. He's done all the science fiction. He's done all the science fiction. Yes. He's the only guy who can <laughs> he, say that he's done Star both Wars Star Trek and Star Trek. Star, well done, sir. Okay, if he, he does a Bell Star Galactica movie, that's the treble right there, right? <laughs> yeah. JJ Abrams, well done. You have achieved ultimate Godhood. ultimate nerddom. <laughs> okay, by pulling this shit off. The Saw series. When do you start getting sick of it? Two. Okay. <laughs> right away. I liked part one. I liked it because, oh hey, it's trying to be clever. Uh, it was done by James Wan? I believe so. One of them, yeah. Oh man, I mistake it... him for James Wan all the time. Um, <laughs> sorry, but hey, I'm Asian. I can do that. Uh, but yeah, the first one was clever. I would say that it was clever. And it was nice to see Carrie Elwes getting work, you know. <laughs> because the last time I saw him was like at the Princess Bride or Clue. What was, it? Oh, was it Robin Hood Man and Tides? Uh, Robin Hood Man and Tides, <laughs> yeah. Probably. No, no, wait. He was in... Uh, oh, man. I really can't remember. Yeah, he was only in the first and the seventh one. That's it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, like... I would have to admit, like, the first one movie was clever. The second one felt like a retread because basically, oh, let's think of other gruesome ways to kill people off. But it had pretty some iconic bits, especially when uh, one of the victims who was from the previous show, she was actually in the pool of needles. That was pretty freaky shit. I mean, I would say yes. Granted, it has got very imaginative kills and yeah. deaths. It was more like they were showing us some iconic stuff here and there. Mm. But at the same time, it the show for me devolved into like a clusterfuck of root. Goldberg killing which things <laughs> going on from the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and seventh. Which just, I've seen all. I've seen all of them. So. I've just I just remember this like like it got really convoluted. Like okay, Jigsaw is not alive anymore, but this guy has taken up the mantle. Yeah. But apparently he's not the guy who's taking and up the mantle. And he actually set a master plan beyond his death. He kind of foresaw shit when Dude, he after he died. It's the same problem I have with like Prison Break season two. Like no, you did not have a tattoo for every possible situation. Yeah. Fuck you. you. You're not that smart. Okay. This is Joker, Dark Knight levels of. This no, is it's, it's even more absurd than Joker's plan. Yeah, to it's be honest. too improbable. Yeah. But okay, I. But do... it was fun in its own way. I mean, I'm not saying it's masterpieces of theater. But but no, it's yeah. just fun to watch. I would agree. I mean, like, this is the kind of, uh, like, popcorn fodder, like, the, the Friday the 13th or the Nightmare on the Street movies, yeah. they devolve into, like, silliness. Yeah. You're just watching it for the kills. You're just watching it to catch up. You know, but like, oh, see? Ha- yeah, but having said that, the 7-1 kind of pulled it up further, where 
there's actually a death that happens in public between two guys trying to say this. They have to solve it in the middle. Oh, and some the girls are chick... coming down. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, so that. they came to a compromise and put the saw in the middle and then end up cutting the girl in half because she's actually quite a bitch. Now, the uh, thing is, the setup, everything was all done in the public place, and then they were dudes trying to break the glass, but apparently, one hit was enough. They actually just wanted this. I think it just shows the bloodthirsty nature of human beings to the point where they just want to watch this so shit happen. This is the social commentary they had. Yeah, right? yeah. Eh. But in the reality, yeah, people just want to see this shit. And then it came to a part where I think uh, one guy from Linkin Park also got murdered too. Chester Bennington, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he got smashed in a car. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was actually one of the really cool. Tricks. I enjoyed it. I'm not a fan of Linkin Park. I would like to see Chester Bennington get smashed anytime. Yeah. And having his back <laughs> tore off from the car seat and shit. That was insane. Oh, man. Okay, but okay. Saw was probably on the on that wave of the torture porn movie. Yeah, I think that set that whole tone. I would say, was it Saw or was it Hostel that spearheaded it? I would say more Hostel, right? Hostel came first and then Saw was like, okay, it's trying to be smart. It's trying to be an indie horror thing. Mm. Then it devolved into a franchise. But oh, unlike most didn't. franchises, they sort of had a good peak period until... I mean, yeah. A particular movie we'll talk about too comes in and ruins your shit. I would say like for the Saw movies, it's like, okay, I granted, I give massive props to the writers and the... The producers for keeping it going for as long as it did yeah. and for like seven movies to boot it was actually supposed to be eight films but yeah budget reasons it went to seven I would say this right the only reason Saw doesn't do well is because it's too expensive to make because and there was also another movie that came out around part six and seven We're talking I think you know which I'm talking about right paranormal activity yes it was a cheaper yeah. movie for that for less of a budget and, and made, made six, seven, eight times more of his money. Made back. more money than the Saw movie. Yeah, he made money Are back. Are they under the same uh, studio? No, right? I don't think so. Uh, mm. Lion- I know Lionsgate did Saw, but I'm not sure about Paranormal. Oh, well, man, that movie, that franchise is still going. Yeah, yeah, it's, make, it's doing gangbusters to the point where I think the latest film kind of lost its own plot. I, I, I've stopped watching. I mean, I watched the first one and I watched it in the perfect situation. And that perfect situation is basically nobody told me about it. I just walked into a theater one day. It was like basically, hey, look, there's a horror movie on tonight. Let's just check it out. And yeah, it, was cool. and it felt effective. It. And the thing is, once I was aware of the marketing and the ad campaigns and the sequels and just how everybody was just trying to ram this down my throat, right? The Paranormal Activity movies, yeah, it wore out its welcome very quickly, like from part two onwards. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely say, you know, props for making the first one. I mean, the thing is, yeah, it is a found footage style. No, I wouldn't say found footage. It's the surveillance horror, right? Where basically, you have... Uh, you got different cameras showcasing yeah, yeah. different things. And acting as much as possible is more of a recommendation, not so much a required skill. Mm. As you can tell from all the people starring in these films. But it has such... It has the cheapest jump scares. And that's probably what made that whole thing, not say successful, but efficient money-wise. That's what made most movies nowadays ever since Paranormal Activity came out. All these movies are trying to have unnecessary jump scares. They don't build too much on the dread. They don't build too much on how to set emotion, how to set horror in motion. It's more or less trying to have the cheapest thrills available. There was a movie called Unfriended that came out a while back. Oh, I saw that. (laughs) Not only is that film improbable, but the way they handle the jump scare at the end, I was like, that's just lazy shit, dude. 
Honestly. I remember a guy having his hand put in a blender or yeah, something. Yeah, but the thing is, he got cut <laughs> off and all come back in. The way it was set, I was like, I don't believe this shit would happen if they actually had a brain or two. I was it's re- all set for convenience, and that's what I did not like about films like this. I mean, it's I was too watching Unfriended, I was thinking, get the fuck off Skype and call the cops, you fucking yeah, idiot. Exactly. <laughs> what are you Why doing? Why anyone do that, you know? In order for horror to be effective, it has to be like set in a very probable situation like where you know you're trying to be smart about it but sometimes fear can take over mm. which is why I felt that a movie like Babadook that came out last year that oh. was handled pretty well you like that? yeah because the mom itself was already a bit of a mess headcase mm. in a way and the kid not so much good yes. because of the situation they're in I kind of see her playing out those things going on especially where the the, uh, the supposed kid story comes true in a sense mm. and I just like how everything paid off from there Man, if you want to talk about, you know, horror movie where kids get destroyed, it's definitely Krampus. <laughs> oh, I actually, I actually saw Krampus. That was actually not bad. It was more Dude. like a comedy, but also kind of... I would I say, say horror-ish, but it's more like, okay, It is the spiritual successor to the Gremlins franchise. Mm, I would yes, say yes. that Krampus needs a sequel. It's just, oh, those gingerbread motherfuckers, yo. It's indeed, it's crazy and batshit nuts enough to warrant a sequel. And then and the I, Jack I in the Box thing that swallowed certain characters whole, that was also Don't spoil cool. it, that movie is kind of recent, but yes. Okay. Yo, watch Krampus, okay? Watch Krampus. Watch It Follows. Watch Don't Breathe. I mean, this is the new wave of horror. Mm-hmm. And I'm the very... ones that are actually very creative how they're mm, shot yeah. also setting up the motion all that. even the Babadook what do you think about that film I never did get guess Babadook well I've only seen half of it I have yet to sit through it properly but I've I like it I like the way it's I like the aesthetics more you know what I mean I like the way it's produced like I remember the original ad campaign in the movie posters it felt like oh it's like one of those Tim Burton movies where things are just angular and jaunty it turned but out it, to be it's beyond that it is yeah. it is that's why I like about it yeah I mean but I, I can also understand the criticisms and how a lot of people say that it's overrated but no I, I think I, I need to watch that movie back to front and maybe give my thoughts on it proper another time but I do agree with you that yes they actually got the look down pat like mm. with the setting itself the whole mystery home shit going yeah, on yeah, definitely. and the kids spoke and then the payoff that happened in the end it's recent so yeah not gonna spoil that but it's re- done really well okay so okay we've been rambling a good hour almost right I think what on we need good to horror do, films yes to boot let's wrap it up the proper way okay Ooh. we are of the <laughs> Asian descent yeah. we should have to we need to also mention the Japanese horror wave that happened in the late 90s the yes, early yes. 2000s okay like, the rings the grudge ring shutter ring yeah okay. ring so man okay that movie came out maybe 98, 99 I saw that in the cinema it fucked me up man I was afraid of television screens for a while and I was like a almost full grown dude I was like 18 or 19 when I watched it and I thought to myself wow this movie is so clever and it's basically I love I mean like I'm fuck I'll spoil this one oh yeah go ahead you go ahead. have the only way to break the curse is to show the tape to somebody else and the thing is right so it's like a chain letter thing going yeah, on it's basically, yeah. yeah and, and like, it, it was smart and, and I like the fact that you know it was set in a kind of a modern setting where it revolved around a videotape now, and granted this is like late 90s like VCDs and DVDs were already here 
and something as like archaic or as like vintage as a videotape would still be a source of horror and that also adds into the whole creep fact it's like an ancient artifact but you say it's something relevant and I would also say this was the ground zero for the trope of the scary Asian girl in the white dress with the long black hair mm. which would later be reused in Juon okay or the grudge to all you westerners out there and also in the tale of two sisters and yada 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 so and even there were actually a couple of other like uh, Thailand shows or Chinese shows where they have like it's like an anthology of horror shows all pieced together to one movie or like uh, The Eye or uh, I think The Eye as well yeah, yeah oh I mean, VCR would be a good example yeah definitely I mean oh I would say like uh, but for the Japanese horror the second wave right like I mean like things became more psychological less about the jump scares look I, I know Juon the grudge had its jump scares moments right and like the ring literally has only one jump scare but and I, the best jump scare too but since you brought up psychological do you think something out audition is counted as yes horror? okay Takeshi Miike's audition also up there in the top 10 horror movies of all time because okay just that scene where she's sitting down in with her the room garot, right? yeah. not just with the garot she's just there being really quiet waiting for the phone to ring she picks it up speaks normal and then what you didn't realize was that that, that huge bag in the back yes there's somebody in there yeah. and it starts to move, move yes. and I was like fuck this scene Ooh. dude and then how effective like her her pastiche her, her audio cue is her kitty 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 yep, yep. that was terrifying oh dude yeah when I was watching it okay this guy is actually just trying to do auditions and shit and it turns out yeah this is you know it's trying to be a love story in some sense but it just got fucked up halfway it's basically through all the way the Asian equivalent to Fatal Attraction but times a billion oh yeah I think this is better because just the way payoff was better. just insane dude not just the payoff but the fact that it's so unassuming and it's and what's brilliant about that movie is that it's literally two movies the first one is a, like almost a rom-com about yep. this lonely old producer trying to find a wife and how his friend gave him the idea like okay maybe we can find you the perfect girl by arranging all these auditions yeah. And unfortunately, the one he chooses turns out to be some psycho killer bitch. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that was good. Like it's unassuming. Like I, did, exactly. I actually went into this movie not knowing what the hell this was, and dude, I was scared, but at the same time, holy shit, this is actually not bad. Yeah, I mean, one you, of the best shows I've seen all at that time. Definitely one of the top ten horror stories ever. I mean, are you aware of Takashi Miike's other works? Um, I know Ichi the Killer. I'm. I know there's Gozu as well. I've seen that. That's mm. pretty messed up. There's more where a woman weird. gives birth to a full size man. Yep, right, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but okay, he but he also did Phoenix Wright, and he also that's did, not a horror film. So and he also did one of the best juvenile delinquent movies of all time, Crow Zero. Okay, that I have not seen. You've not seen Crow Zero? No, no, I have not. Wow, it's the it's it's, it's Dynasty Warriors in high school. That's okay, all I can see. Now I'm it's now wave after wave of just guys being the shit. Okay. Dude, are we talking up the ante violence over the top stuff or no it's raw it's visceral I mean okay it's not a horror movie by any no no, no Crow's Zero it's just about you know delinquents in high school and how they need how one level has to rise to the top and it just gets out of control really fast if you like shows like The Warriors or if you like shows where like you know it's just basically you know guys being the shit out of each other Right up there. You gotta watch Crow I'm Zero. I'm the fan of the Warriors, so I gotta see this stuff now. Yeah, and I mean, like, okay, so I think that should be enough of an episode. Quite a lot, actually. We have covered we quite, quite a bit of horror game. Okay. shows. Horror shows, not games. Why do I keep talking about games, dude? We should do. Okay, we should probably do a follow up to this, okay? I mean, this will come out the. 
Halloween is around the corner. Yeah. Maybe we should do one follow-up episode. Yeah. But for now, I think we got movies covered from The Thing. Oh my God, The Fly. We got to bring up David Cronenberg, dude. Man, David Cronenberg. Okay, okay. Uh, okay. Very quick segment. If you need to watch any David Cronenberg movie, okay, The Fly. Naked Lunch, Video Drone. Oh, Video Drone. Oh my god, that shit with James Woods. <laughs> and you can pretty much ignore his later work if you're if you're looking for horror because basically he went on this whole new uh re- like renaissance where he's basically him and Viggo Mortensen like made Eastern Promises. All right, that's uh, history, history of, of violence. violence. Like, like, Which is cool, but I mean, I, it's it's not it's not it's not the fly. It's not Videodrome. It's no, not I mean scanners. even his earlier work like your scanners, oh, man. shivers, crash. Oh, uh, there was also the one with David Bowie as no 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 Jeremy Irons the one with the two people Dead drinks. Ringers thank you Dead Ringers yes <laughs> Dead Ringers are pretty messed up too yes I mean David Cronenberg man okay you know what tell you what Last King fans we're gonna do a proper listicle or a proper maybe era specific horror movie episode in the future where we mention only one particular topic and we just kind of focus in on it yep. this has pretty much been like a summary of just two two friends talking about just talking about horror, horror films yeah, yeah and like you know how much of an influence it has on us yeah. so probably next episode we'll do the game centric one yep I mean dude we're gonna talk about Resident Evil Silent Hill Fatal Frame and I have no mouse and I must scream oh, the very first clock tower not the PS1 clock tower oh. the Super Nintendo one with, without Scissor Man? Uh, there is Scissor oh, Man oh with Scissor Man? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and then of course uh, I don't know horror music? is there anything horror? Uh, we can talk about horrible music <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 but for now I mean horror music yeah, we, we've ended on a pretty good note David Cronenberg yeah, David one Cronenberg. of the best yes yeah one of the best remakes also with the fly yeah, yeah. Jeff Goldblum yeah just, just see, I just, mean, you just pit- seeing him fall apart, yeah, literally. You cheer for him, <laughs> then you pity him, and then, and then you're just shit. terrified. <laughs> yeah, so many emotions, a roller coaster of emotions from that, and with Gina Davis as well inside. Dude, that was, he almost won an Academy Award for that one. No, no, almost, they won almost. for special effects, but yeah. he was nominated, I think. He was nominated for best actor, or yeah. I can't really, uh, we'll have to IMDb it. Okay, so but that's very stellar performance, dude. Definitely, like, and really good body work. Mm. Right, a lot of body work, a lot, a lot of the, the Dude, stuff that just happens. that scene of him peeling off his fingernails. <sighs> that is enough to fuck you up, man. Yes. <laughs> uh. Okay, so uh, that about wraps up our spooky, yeah. spooktacular uh, Halloween think... edition yep. here in the last game. Because we know we're gonna go on for another. We'll hour, go so. on forever, man. Yeah, but okay. So this has been your co-host, Mr. Shafi, and this is Mr. Shafi signing off. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>